0: Hello, this is Diksha from newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Monday, the 15th of February. India recorded more than 11,500 COVID 19 cases in the last 24 hours and the total COVID tally stood at over 1.09 crore or 10.9 million. 90 deaths linked to the virus were reported in the same period while the death toll remained at the 1,55,000 mark. More than 1.06 crore or 10.6 million people in the country have recovered from the virus so far, taking the national recovery rate to over 97%. Meanwhile, Maharashtra and Kerala recorded more than 4,000 COVID-19 cases each in the last 24 hours. With this, Kerala reached the grim total of 10 lakh cases. Maharashtra and Kerala are currently the biggest contributors to the country's COVID tally. Under the nationwide vaccination drive, more than 82 lakh healthcare and frontline workers have been vaccinated so far. Of this, over 21,000 received their vaccine yesterday. The death toll from the Uttarakhand Glacier disaster rose to 53 today. Multiple rescue teams have been clearing the debris in search of survivors for nine days now. More than 150 people are still missing. The disaster took place on February 7th when part of a glacier broke off, triggering an avalanche and massive flooding in the Chamoli district of Uttarakhand. The floods extensively damaged two power plants and five bridges. Rescue operations were underway in a 2.5 kilometer tunnel at Tapovan. Rescuers, however, have not been able to establish contact with 30 workers they feared were trapped inside the tunnel. As more than a week has passed since clearing of the debris at the mouth of the tunnel began, hopes of finding the workers alive have faded. National Disaster Response Force officer P.K. Tiwari said yesterday that they were facing difficulties in recovering the bodies. He said, and I quote, "'Tons of debris is stuck inside the tunnel. There is a limitation to the amount of work that can be done." Unquote. Meanwhile, the Uttarakhand police said yesterday that the river Alaknanda, which was one of the two rivers that flooded, was flowing at normal levels in the state. They added that no flood alert had been issued by the district administration. After Bengaluru climate activist Disha Ravi's arrest yesterday, the Delhi police today issued non bailable warrants against advocate Nikita Jacob and one Shantanu in connection with a toolkit document related to the farmer protests. Police said that the two were allegedly involved in drafting the document and had direct ties with pro-Khalistani elements. A Delhi police spokesperson told the Indian Express that the cyber unit of the special cell discovered Jacob and Shantanu's involvement in the case. He added that the arrest in the matter would soon be made. Jacob moved a plea before the Bombay High Court today seeking transit anticipatory bail for four weeks. She also sought interim protection from any coercive action by the police. In addition, she asked for a copy of the FIR filed against her. The hearing in the matter is scheduled to take place tomorrow. The action against Nikita and Shantanu came a day after 21-year-old climate activist Disha Ravi was arrested for allegedly editing and circulating the toolkit. The term toolkit is commonly used by social activists to refer to documents explaining a campaign. Disha is associated with Fridays for Future, which is the India chapter of the climate campaign started by Swedish activist Greta Thunberg. The toolkit was first tweeted by Thunberg in support of India's protesting farmers on the 4th of February. Following Thunberg's tweet, the Delhi Police lodged an FIR against the creators of the toolkit without naming anyone. This FIR came after pro-government social media handles expressed outrage, claiming that the toolkit was evidence of a global conspiracy to attack India. Disha's arrest drew sharp criticism from activists and lawyers who pointed out irregularities in the manner in which she was arrested. On Saturday, a court in Delhi sent Disha to police custody for five days while no formal charges had been announced yet. The police alleged that Disha was the key conspirator in spreading the toolkit. They added that she had collaborated with a Khalistani group to quote-unquote spread disaffection against the Indian state. Scroll.in reported that criminal lawyer Rebecca John, who's been tracking the case, alleged that the Patiala House court hearing took place without Disha being represented by a lawyer. She added that this amounted to quote-unquote a shocking abdication of judicial duties. The criminal lawyer also said, and I quote, if the accused was not being represented by counsel at the time of the hearing, the magistrate should have waited till her counsel arrived or alternatively provided her with legal aid. Unquote. John also asked if the magistrate questioned why Ravi was brought directly from Bangalore without a transit remand from the local courts there. She added and I quote, The cat and mouse game must stop. Unquote. Advocate Vinesh Srinivasa too said that multiple high court orders on the procedure need to be followed while detaining a person in another state. Disha's arrest also drew flak from opposition leaders who said that the move was undemocratic and unwarranted. The Supreme Court today granted interim bail for five days to journalist Siddique Kappan to meet his ailing mother. The court directed the Uttar Pradesh police to take Kappan to meet his mother in Kerala. The court also told the journalist not to speak with the press or anyone else except for his relatives or doctors. Kappan was arrested by the Uttar Pradesh police on October 5 last year while he was on his way to report on the gang rape and murder of a minor Dalit girl allegedly by four upper caste men in Hathras. He was booked under sedition and the anti-terrorism law UAPA or the Unlawful Activities Prevention Act. Kappan last saw his bedridden mother Khadija Kutti when the Apex court had allowed him to make a 10-minute video call on January 28. However, due to her critical condition, she was unable to respond or even look at the cell phone screen. Siddiq's wife, Rehana told News Laundry earlier this month, and I quote, he saw the condition his mother was in and he is heartbroken. Gujarat Chief Minister Vijay Rupani said yesterday that his government would soon introduce a law against religious conversions in the state. Rupani said this at a rally for the municipal elections in Vadodara. He said, and I quote, we are going to bring in a law against Love Jihad in the Assembly. Such activities being done in the name of Love Jihad will not be tolerated. The BJP government will bring strict action laws against Love Jihad in the coming days." Two other BJP-ruled states, Uttar Pradesh and Madhya Pradesh, have already announced ordinances that criminalise interfaith marriage under certain conditions. Meanwhile, states like Madhya Pradesh and Haryana are planning to bring in similar laws. Karnataka and Assam governments have also made similar announcements. In a related development, Rupani suddenly fainted on stage while addressing a rally yesterday. He was given first aid and flown to Ahmedabad in a helicopter. The minister has tested positive for COVID-19 today with mild symptoms. Speaking of anti-conversion laws in multiple states, in Yogi Adityanath's Uttar Pradesh, a Special Investigation Team, or SIT, was set up last year to probe 14 cases of love jihad in Kanpur. The SIT was set up after allegations from some families and Hindutva organizations that Muslim men had trapped their Hindu daughters. In November, as the UP government was gearing up to bring its Love Jihad law, the SIT said that it had taken action in 11 of the 14 cases. News Laundry's Akansha Kumar, in her latest Crown report, analyzed the 11 cases and found out that the SIT's inquiry is riddled with inconsistencies and even false claims. To read her full report, head over to newslaundry.com. It is titled, Kanpur SIT's inquiry laid the ground for UP's Love Jihad law, but it is riddled with inconsistencies. The television news channel Times Now has sent a legal notice to the TV ratings agency BARC for alleged illegal and fraudulent viewership data manipulation and tampering of TRPs. The notice alleged that the channel's viewership numbers were deliberately and in a concerted manner reduced to favour another channel. The notice was sent to Bach, its officials and members of its management and board. Among other things, it asked for damages of Rs 431 crore to be paid to the channel. Besides, it also asked for a license fee of Rs 21.83 crore and a press statement to clarify that Times Now was the number one channel. The notice made a reference to the press conference held by the Mumbai Police Commissioner in December, where he alleged that the TRPs were manipulated, rigged, tampered and at times pre-decided by the former management of Bach. It noted that Times Now's ranking in 2017 had been suspiciously reduced as per the police with a view to make another newly launched English channel to be the number 1 channel. The notice also cited the findings of a forensic report and stated that raw data for TRP in the news genre was being manipulated in various ways in order to favour particular channels. News Laundry's Prateek Goyal has reported on the forensic audit, which was submitted to Bach last July. It revealed a series of unscrupulous practices by the former executives of Bach. Times Now's notice alleges that Bach kept this matter suppressed deliberately and intentionally and took no decisive action. You can find the full report about the forensic audit on newslaundry.com. It is titled, Ferrari, Rolex, and TRP rigging. Audit report exposes the malpractices at BARC. Listeners, you might think that these are just a few bad apples in a ratings agency that allegedly help manipulate the ratings of TV channels that are streamed to your television screens. Unfortunately, that's not the case. The ratings mechanism of the Broadcast Audience Research Council, or BARC, Itself is designed in a way that allows for easy manipulation. To know more about how the television rating system in India is susceptible to various forms of manipulation, go to newslaundry.com and read my colleague Ayush's report titled TRP Scam Bark's TV Audience Measurement System is Rotten. I would like to tell you that we at Newslaundry abstain from making boastful claims and hankerings after ratings because our subscribers are a testament to our work. We run on your subscriptions and bring you stories that matter minus the influence that corporate and government funding can bring to bear on journalism. So if you aren't a subscriber already, I urge you to head to newslaundry.com and hit that subscribe button on the top right corner. Lowest subscription starts at 300 rupees a month only. The Supreme Court today asked Facebook-owned messaging platform WhatsApp to give an undertaking that private data of users is not being shared with any third person. The court told the messaging platform that people value their privacy more than money. A bench of Chief Justice S.A. Bobre also sought a response from WhatsApp, Facebook and the central government on a plea challenging WhatsApp's latest privacy policy that had become a matter of mass contention. In the hearing, senior advocate Shyam Divan, appearing for the petitioners, pointed out that concerns over the new policy should be seen in conjunction with the fact that India has no data protection law. Last month, WhatsApp's users received a notification that it was preparing a new privacy policy. As per the policy, the company reserved the right to share some user data with Facebook. However, after facing massive backlash and millions of users migrating to other platforms, WhatsApp had pushed back the policy changes to May 15th. Now, for some international updates, the global COVID tally inched closer to the 109 million mark in the last 24 hours, while recoveries from the virus worldwide surged to 61.1 million. The death toll from the virus, meanwhile, surpassed the 2.4 million mark. In COVID updates from different countries, the average figure of new COVID-19 cases in the US yesterday dropped below the 1 lakh mark for the first time in nine months. The Centre for Disease Control, however, cautioned that infections remained high and precautions to slow the pandemic must remain in place. The New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern said today that first vaccine doses arrived in the country this morning. She added that once the vaccines are checked for quality, inoculations will begin on Saturday, prioritising border workers. The Prime Minister also announced that the three cases of community spread reported in the country today were that of the UK variant of COVID-19. Meanwhile, Australia today also received its first shipment of over 1,40,000 vaccine doses from Pfizer. The vaccine rollout in the country will begin next week after quality checks conclude. In Japan, meanwhile, the vaccination drive will start this week on Wednesday. In Zimbabwe, a plane carrying the South African country's first consignment of 2 lakh COVID vaccine doses crashed in the capital Harare today. The said vaccine doses were donated to the country by China. Internet services in Myanmar were restored today after an eight-hour blackout. The internet in the country was shut down by the military leadership after news came out that civilian leader Aung San Suu Kyi's detention would be extended. The country had witnessed a coup on the 1st of February when the military took over the democratic establishment led by Suu National League for Democracy. After the extension of Suu Kyi's detention, demonstrators who've been protesting since the coup returned to the streets of major cities in Myanmar today. This was seen despite the tight security arrangements made in the country. Suu detention on charges of illegally importing walkie-talkie radios was supposed to expire today, but her lawyer said that she would be in detention until Wednesday for a court hearing.